Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am David Delaney, your host, and I'm joined today all the way across the pond here from (laughs) a very warm, summery England, it sounds like, Niraj Kapoor, expert sales coach trainer, and author of two best-selling Amazon books, Everyone Works in Sales and the Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners. Naraj, how are you doing today, sir? David, absolute pleasure. Lovely talking to you. I enjoy listening to your podcast, so it's even more exciting I'm talking to you now. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to get you out maybe to a different audience here because, you know, most of our listeners are in the software industry running sales development teams and we're in sort of a little bubble over here so it's it's great to to get some new voices on the show and you know i'd love to dive in to how you got into the sales training and coaching industry and some of the trends that you're seeing out there yeah sure well i spent 23 years first of all just working in sales and then in 2010 my wife at the time said, look, you can't be a salesman your whole life. I think like many people, like my parents are Indians. So they're all highly educated, doctors, physios, teachers, they all have degrees. And you know, Indians like to boast about their children. My son's a lawyer, my son's a doctor. And my mother's like, my son's a salesman. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it was a source of great embarrassment to her. And uh. my wife at the time said, look, you're great at coaching people. One thing you're really good at is taking care of people. People who work with you say you're a good guy to work with, you help them. I really think you should go into management. And I kind of held back for a long time because all I see managers doing is spending all day in meetings and meetings are boring for me. I wanna be out seeing clients, I wanna be on the phone. That's what excites me. It's not taking meetings all day. So I reluctantly became a manager it's the best thing I ever did because luckily the company I worked for in format, they had management training programs. I got a coach for the first time. I got a mentor for the first time in my career. I went from being above average to being brilliant. And that was a big difference. For many years, I was above average because I worked really hard. I cared. You know, I picked up the phone. Three very simple skills I had, but that was it. I wasn't that skilled in sales. But once I got coached, Once I went on courses, once I started reading books and personal development, my career went to a completely different level. It went to what I would call the elite level of sales, the top 1%. Nice. That's hilarious because I worked for a sales training company for seven years and they were purchased by Informa. (laughs) And so it's such a small world. You know, Informa is a multi-billion dollar company, right? And so oh, it's an absolute beast of a company. Most people yeah. don't even, I've met people last year who actually work in the same company as me, but completely different division. And I had no idea because it's such a big company and everybody works in their own little divisions. So you rarely get a chance to meet anybody unless you go, you win like a chief sales officer club or the annual dinners. That's the only time you meet anybody else, which is a real shame because it's such a big company, but you just don't get a chance to do that. So it's so vast and it's a great company. I, I remember they they did 
invest in people and they cared about people and and they they left a good impression and you know you mentioned that once you got into informa and you <laughs> you felt the pull of of management finally you know they invested in you they gave you some coaching some training and things like that why why do you think that people hesitate around getting a coach if that's not offered by their their company most people i speak to because now being a full-time coach and trainer the thing that holds them back is they think it's a cost instead of an investment coaching is always an investment in your future but most people either think it's expensive or sadly most people don't even think of coaching that's that's even worse actually most people don't treat sales as a profession especially in england in the uk so many people are in sales for a few years so they can earn enough money to go on a few nice holidays get drunk at the weekends buy some clothes that really is sales performs that function not not many people go into sales thinking i'm going to have a career and that's the big problem you have it's not treated like a profession and the second problem is most companies don't offer sales training which they should they don't offer proper sales training so most sales people i see get maybe half a day and they're not trained properly ever, or they watch a few YouTube videos, <laughs> or they read a company handbook, that's not enough. You have to be learning every single day. This is my 25th year in sales, David, 25th year, and I still read half an hour a day, I still listen to podcasts every night, and I still have a coach once a month who works with me, a sales coach, to keep me accountable and to make sure I'm still getting better. Okay. And so how do you work with a coach? You know, what's the format and, you know, how does he keep you or he or she keep you accountable? Well, whenever I coach people, I'll often say, okay, what, is the, what are the biggest sales challenges you're having right now? And they will tell me. And I'll say, okay, now of these three, talk to me about why you're having these problems. So you want to know the problems they're having but you also want to know why they're having these problems and you want to know what deadlines they're working to. I always ensure there's deadlines because if there's no deadlines, people just take their time. There's no urgency. So you've got to have deadlines in place and that's it. And I'll work with them. And it's quite interesting because there's very similar patterns I see in coaching, whether it's one-to-one -one or whether it's group coaching, the problems are almost the same. Everybody wants to generate more sales. And people always say, can you teach me some techniques about how to close more deals? And that's why most people hire me. And when I spend time working with them or listening to their phone calls or chatting to their colleagues, I realize closing deals is not the problem, David. The problem is they're not following sales process. They're not engaging. They're not asking good questions. They're not following up. They're not providing good content. They're not using LinkedIn effectively. And those tend to be the same problems with almost every single person I speak to. It's incredible. Almost 90% of people, it's the same problems. Okay. So, so there, there's no process in place. So they're just kind of winging it and, you know, bouncing around like a, almost like a pinball machine <laughs> every day. And, and so with, a, with coaching, you can hold them accountable to a process. How do they say they're out there right now and they're like well my management team hasn't provided me with a process what, what how should they go about creating something like that if your management team haven't trained you which to my surprise many companies don't what you got to start doing is reading books on sales to understand that process that's so important so for me you know i always start off with the classics so you get the jeb blunt's fanatical prospecting you read anthony anarino you read you know jeffrey gittimer's little red book of selling you know these are the basics you have to read 
And you don't just read these books, you study them, you underline them, you, you, you make notes. Okay, so the first thing is read books. Now people are quite lucky because you have free access to podcasts. You know, when I started off, there were no podcasts, but podcasts now are a fantastic resource. Now I learned a lot from podcasts as well. And the other thing you have to do is have role plays with your team. So I always encourage people, if you're learning, just one day, buy one of your colleagues breakfast, preferably a colleague smarter than you or more successful than you in the company, and just say, you know, can I buy you breakfast or buy some lunch? And maybe you can spend five or 10 minutes doing a role play with me just, just to help me out. And a lot of people will say yes. Some will be busy and say no. But I always go to people more successful than me and say, can you do a role play with me? And role plays are really hard to do. And you feel more pressure with somebody you really admire and look up to. And that's the idea, is to be under pressure. And then you discuss feedback, what you did well and what you can improve. Got it. Okay. And so if the management has not provided a sales process, the person should actually just make their own sales. So first they have to make their own sales process. Then they have to hold themselves accountable to following the process. Is that correct? Yes. Got it. Okay. And then having a coach would then add a layer of accountability to make sure that you are following the process and perhaps changing the process, you know, to make it, to improve it. Correct? Oh, absolutely. Look, I've taken courses on Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield. I've invested thousands of pounds in these and they all say the same thing. Look, you can spend three years learning something yourself, or you can spend three months learning it from a coach. And trust me, you know, as a business owner, it's much better to learn something in three months than three years. <laughs> Always, you know, if you can condense time, you know, time is the most important thing you have, especially as you get older. So I'd rather learn something really quickly than spend years learning it and years making mistakes. Because over those three years, you're going to waste 10, 20, 30, 40,000 pounds in lost commission, lost earnings by not knowing what you're doing. But if you invest 3,000 or $5,000 in a coach to begin with, you can learn so much. And that's the thing about coaching is keeping people accountable, but also is getting people results. So when I work with people, I always say, what do you want to get out of this? You know, what's your end goal? And a lot of the time they say commission. I say, look, that's great, but it has to be more than commission. Commission is not enough, okay? You know, what do you want to buy? What do you want to achieve? Do you want respect of your colleagues? Do you want to get a promotion? Do you want to become better at your job? Commission is important, but you have to give me more than that. You know, commission is always the first answer you normally get, but it has to be more than that. And we talk about their goals, their vision, their dreams. And when people have goals, visions, and dreams, it's so much easier to achieve your sales target. And this is this is an audio. So you actually mentioned you have a vision board. So you're you're taking these goals and dreams and making them into something that you can see every day when you're getting kind of beat up and bummed out, right? Absolutely. So on a vision board, I mean, every successful person you admire, every successful entrepreneur, especially every successful athlete, you know, if you're looking at baseball, American football, basketball, you know, I've read about Michael Jordan, I've read about Roger Federer, I've read about all these great American athletes. They all have vision boards. Muhammad Ali was renowned for visualizing all the time. So you, you got to think like, don't, don't think you're just a salesperson. You got to think like the top people. That's how you become great in your profession okay yeah don't go around saying these top athletes are on a different level to me that's the attitude you got to have and if it's good enough for them it's good enough for me and if you look at the behavior of a lot of the top athletes in the world they have vision boards so they will have a list of a lot of the things they've achieved to date whether it's family or something more materialistic like a nice house nice car 
and then they have other images on their vision board as well of things they want to achieve. They will have pictures of things that inspire them, whether it's family, kids, grandkids, parents, grandparents. A vision board has to be something that inspires you every time you look at it. And my vision board is above my desk. It's also on my computer, my mobile, my fridge. <laughs> you know, So I'm, I'm looking nice. at my vision board 15, 20 times a day without even realizing it. That means I, I get fired up all the time. It means if I get two or three or four or five or six rejections, which I often happens in sales, you get rejected a lot. I don't sit there depressed. You know, of course it affects me, but not too much. My vision board gets me back on track because I'm doing this for my parents. I'm doing this for my daughter. I'm doing this so I can give more money to charity. You know, I'm doing this because I want to be better. You know, a vision board keeps you fired up. Every salesperson, if you create a vision board, you will achieve so much more. Uh, and the second thing I've seen from a lot of these great athletes, with the exception of Michael Jordan, a lot of the great athletes are actually incredibly humble. You know, Roger Federer is a really nice guy. A lot of these athletes, I've met quite a few sports stars as well through CEOs I know. A lot of them are incredibly nice people, incredibly friendly. And I often find the best salespeople are not braggers or show-offs. They're actually really down-to-earth nice people. I love that. I mean, I think... You know, especially now with being, we've had shelter in place now for like three months and it's, it's pretty easy to get in a negative frame of mind, you know, when you're facing a lot of rejection, things in the business world are like going sideways and stuff like that. But to have a vision board, it, it gives you, you know, some positive energy in your day that you can look at especially if you're a visual person. Absolutely, 100%. Vision boards are so, so important. They really are. And, you know, you always have to look at what are successful people doing. And there's a great personal development guru called Brian Tracy. When he started off, he became successful by finding out the most successful people in his company, take them out for lunch, just asking them questions and advice. And that, that's exactly what I did. When I joined Informa, I found out who the most successful people were in most divisions, and I, I just had lunch with them. And some said no, some said yes. And the ones who said yes, I bought them breakfast or I bought them dinner or I bought them lunch, depending how busy they were. And I just asked them questions. And it was quite interesting that so many of the successful people, they were great learners. They read books. They were humble. They supported their teams. And they worked really, really hard. I mean, this is really basic stuff, but <laughs> a lot of people don't think about a lot of the important things you do in sales is really basic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's easy. I think in this day and age that we live in, it's easy to let complexity, you know, seep in to your mind because the world is is so complex now, and there's so many messages coming in from all these different channels and social media and stuff like that. You've got a you know a powerful computer in your pocket, and all these different messages are coming in, and and essentially. You know what I what I'm hearing is that that it's it's a simple they call it like basic blocking and tackling. It's a simple process that you're following each day, uh, grounded around learning and accountability that has helped you to you know become more successful. Yeah, I mean, Nick, sports analogies are fantastic when you're talking to guys. They they just get it in most cases. So I use a lot of sports analogies. I use golf tennis i guess you guys call it football we call it soccer but yeah right i get a lot I, I love watching sports and i love learning from great athletes 
you know, I was watching an amazing documentary on Netflix called The Last Dance. And it's about the Chicago Bulls team. So you got Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player in the world. But you had so many of his teammates as well. And what did they, what was my, why was Michael Jordan the best basketball player of all time? He worked his ass off. He outworked people. He was constantly learning, constantly growing. He had a fantastic mindset. Again, really simple stuff. He pushed his team hard as well. Because, you know, a lot of the time in sales, people just are lone wolves. But you will always achieve more in sales working with a team and having people work with you. And as a manager especially, so many managers I see, they can't manage because they haven't had management training. And when I became a manager, I tried to do everything myself. And I struggled. But once I empowered my team and trained my team, they became successful and we all we all became successful together. And that's why we were always number one. Because every Monday I would have one-to-ones, and every Wednesday we would do call coaching sessions. And no other manager did this. And at Informa over the years, there was a lot of restructures, a lot of redundancies, and a lot of managers with way more experience than me lost their jobs. I kept mine, even though I was the least experienced manager, because my team kept making money, because I'm the one who spent time coaching them. And there's a really valuable lesson. And then other managers after a while realized that, and then they started coaching their teams <laughs> to success <laughs> because they realized that was the best thing to do. You were effective. So let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned that your parents and, and you can plug in whatever background, but <laughs> a lot of parents, especially you know, they're proud of their, the doctors, the lawyers, the <laughs> accountants and things like that. Do you think that that mindset would ever change for sales or are we just basically stuck in that mindset that our parents are not necessarily going to understand or approve <laughs> of what we're yeah. doing and we just have to move forward? Yeah. Listen, my, my parents are Indian. My best friend's Jewish. So I, I totally right. get it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get it. The problem is every single day on LinkedIn, people complain about bad selling. They do. They complain about people who are untrained selling. And those people are not just salespeople. They're account executives. They are business development managers. They are now working in marketing companies, marketing executives. You even have business owners now who just sell so badly on LinkedIn. You connect with them and you say, what made you want to connect? Then they send you just paragraphs of features and no benefits while asking anything you know and this bad selling takes place every single day 10 to 15 times a day on linkedin on email and it's just constantly bad and because so many people complain about it it you know people don't have a very people don't have respect for salespeople. you know i recently moved it's into a new worse. house yeah. oh it is getting worse and since my divorce i moved into a new house and a month after I moved into my new house, lockdown occurred. So I'm having to deal with customer services of companies like my car company, my change of address, my utilities company. You know, I've had to contact so many people. And the customer services have got worse. They're appalling. I mean, really bad. And every day I'm dealing with really incompetent people who can't sell properly. And it frustrates me because I work in sales and I want people to get better. And I always ask people, you know, the way you've spoken to me, do you, do you ever read any sales books at all or listen to podcasts or like, no, I never thought of that. You know, it's amazing. People just don't see sales as a profession or as something they have to learn. And until they see it as a profession, it's going to continue having a really bad reputation, which is a real shame because there are some great salespeople out there 
and there are some great sales trainers out there because I've been to their events or I've worked with them myself, you know, and it's a real shame because a lot of good people don't get recognized because there's so many bad ones out there. Yeah. I mean, and, and so essentially we need to take more responsibility for this and there, there there's some accrediting, you know, organizations here that give you a degree in sales or some sort of certification and things like that, but they're not very well known and not that many people do it because you just to get into sales, you, you know, you just can talk your way into the job and there's not like a, you don't have to have like a PhD to get into sales. So really, you know, we have to take personal responsibility for upping the game and building that respect. It seems we do. And, you know, when I work with people, you know, I always say, people always say, are you a sales trainer? And of course I am, but really I'm on a mission to raise the standards of sales with people I work with. That's my mission. And it's a really important mission to me. And I want to make sure that when people work with me, they're better off as a result, not just financially, of course, that is important, but in terms of their levels of awareness, the fact that they treat sales differently, the fact that if they're not working with me anymore, they're still out there learning all the time. They're still out there making a difference. I had a client who called me literally last month and we hadn't worked together since last October. And he says to me now, during lockdown, I started reading sales books. Oh my God, what a difference it makes. You know, it's just nice when people listen to your advice and they see a difference themselves and they start to do better. And I just wish more people would invest in sales, not just books and podcasts, but sales coaching is it will take you to another level. It really and truly will. I totally agree. And and you've written a couple of books. So tell me that that's a whole process in itself, right? I mean, you know, if you're working full time and you're you're trying to run a business and you've got your personal life and everything, how do you fit in writing an entire book? Yeah, writing a book and setting up a business are one of these things that if you ever knew how difficult it would be, you would never do it. It's as simple as that. I would never have you know, especially running a business. If I knew how difficult it was, I would just keep working in corporate because it's so much easier. It really is. I know that every month I'm definitely going to get a salary and commission no matter what. But, you know, yeah, running a business, that. there's no guarantees. Well, I wrote my first book because I spent from 2011 to 2016 at Informa traveling the world, doing shipping events, shipping conferences, and shelling, you know, selling shipping, advertising in magazines, websites, partnerships, and, you know, doing business in South Korea is very different to the Middle East. And doing business in the Middle East is very different to Canada. And doing business in Canada is very different to America. So I'm very lucky that those five years I traveled the world, I learned so much about people. I got a chance to travel America, which was amazing. I learned a lot about American people. I learned to appreciate them on a level that a lot of people don't see. You know, because in the news, you just see the top level stuff. You don't really see what other people are really like. And I got a chance to love America. I really did fall in love with the people in a big way. And that's why I kept coming back all the time. And, you know, it was a great experience. But I also discovered that no matter where in the world I went, most people couldn't sell. And that surprised me, but it also disappointed me. And I wanted to raise the standards of sales. So I wrote a book called Everybody Works in Sales. Now, there's so many sales books out there, David. How do you stand out? Because that's very important. And I thought, well, how do I stand out? And I know in selling one of the smartest things i do that gets the best results is storytelling so i decided to write my life history my 23 years working in london in sales my experiences traveling the world and every chapter 
is a lesson you can learn in sales. So that was really important. So I give you all this great storytelling, which gets people involved in my life, and people connect with stories more than facts. There's a lot of failure, which people weren't expecting. There's a lot of sales books are just people bragging about their commission <laughs> and how much money they earn. So many sales books are like that. But with me, I talk about failure. I talk about the pain of making mistakes. I talk about regrets in my life. And then you see my success. But it took me a lot of failure to get to success. And I think people really liked it. And it just kept selling and selling and selling. And I spent almost 21 weeks in the Amazon Top 100. Now, for a self-published book, that's quite rare. That only happens three or four times a year. And it just kept selling. And that I saw the royalties from that and thought, yes, I'm going to launch my business. But, of course, I wasn't smart enough to realize after a few months those royalties get reduced. <laughs> you know, um, the book kept selling. And, you know, after about 10 months, the royalties were very small. And then literally three months ago, I launched my second book. And people love my second book, The Easy Guide to Sales for Business Owners. They start by my first book. So my first book now is selling well again. So I'm quite lucky. I've got two incomes, one for my first book, an income from my second book as well. So it's great at the moment, actually, because all the business I've lost and locked down from speaking at events, all the corporate training I've lost, I'm making up for it now with my two books and one-to-one -one coaching. That's currently how I'm making a living at the moment. Nice. Okay. And and so as you, you thought through the books, I mean, is it like, did it, did they sort of come out in like, you know, did you lock yourself into a cabin for a week and just like crank out a book or was it in drips and drabs um, over a long period of time? No, it was in drips and drabs. Again, consistency is so important in sales. You know, consistent yeah. prospecting is important. Consistent learning is vital. Consistency will help you win. So I wrote one hour every single morning. That was it. I got into the office at half past seven and I wrote till half past eight because by about quarter nine people start walking into an office so you, you get distracted and i locked myself in a room no internet my phone was off and you can get a lot of work done in one hour with no internet and, and no tech you really can so i did that finished the book and then i spent two thousand pounds which is what about three thousand dollars on a book coach which is the best thing i did so the book coach advised me on marketing book marketing how to sell the book he also went through my book and said okay cut the last 20 pages it's an amazing book. The last 20 pages are negative. I don't like it. Rewrite it. And he just, again, like a good quality coach, helped me get better. And so when the book came out, it was in great shape. And what so many people do is they write books, release it, and they sell only between 50 to 100 copies, which is terrible because they have no idea how to sell a book and they have no idea how to market a book. But because I invested thousands in a coach, my book sold thousands of copies. And that was really important. And those royalties meant I could pay my coach. And I made some profit as well. You make a few bucks. Okay, then a coach again coming in for the book and seeing around the corner and helping you to, you know, guide you to, to create something that's really valuable. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. I keep saying to people, my, my success is because of coaching. And even now after 25 years, you know, I have a sales coach once a month. She spends an hour with me keeping me accountable. And if I don't do what I've promised her, she doesn't say to me, it's okay, Nera. She's like, Nera, you're paying me a lot of money. You're wasting your money. You promised me something. You didn't deliver. Why? And that's what you need. You need people who are going to push you. I don't want someone to hold my hand and tell me I'm wonderful. I want someone who's going to push me and make me better. Yeah. And my sales coach, she's great. And I also had a mindset coach in January because 
after 21 years I got divorced I was a real mess and I was in a lot of pain and I was hurting and it was affecting my work so I hired a mindset coach and he spent a bit of time with me really getting me into shape with my brain and getting rid of negative thoughts and again you know a mindset coach isn't cheap it was about $450 an hour but best thing I could have done because after a few weeks my brain was fine and now I'm firing in all cylinders nice you know that's interesting too because when you start a business you go from being in this very micromanaged environment where everything that you do is scrutinized you know and you've got all these people that want results from you immediately and then you start a business and there's it's gone you know and so at first you're just like okay there's nobody holding me accountable except myself so did you ever get a business coach or have you ever thought about that you know having somebody help you like that i never thought of getting a business coach because yeah. many of my I've I met a lot one. of people who've had business coaches and i've been very surprised how ineffective many of them are so i talk to people who invest a lot of money so in dollars it would be probably twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a year with a business coach which is a big investment and i would say to them what did the business coach do and they went oh the business coach did a disc profile they asked me lots of questions i'm like yeah but what advice did they give you and <laughs> that's yes. the thing you know as a coach i will ask you a lot of questions and i will I, I want you to give me the answers but at the same time i give you so much advice that i know is working every day but a lot of the sales coaches and i've met hundreds of sales coaches they ask you questions make you do profiles but they don't really give you the real life advice needed to succeed because they're all following an action coach or some kind of formula and that doesn't help you with the nitty-gritty it really doesn't and if you're a business coach and after 10 years you're still working at home and you're still one person then i got a problem with that you know whereas me this is now my second this is i've just finished two years and three months of business i have a pa now that to me is growth because I'm paying another salary. I outsource a lot of my business now. So I outsource not just my PA, but my podcast editing. I outsource so many things through Fiverr, logo designs. I invest in, I invest in so many other people. And very soon, I'll be, well, I was planning to look for some office space because I want to get my company to get bigger. But that for me is what growth looks like. There's so many business coaches after 10 years are still in the same place. That for me sets off alarm bells. So I think because I've had so many people with bad experiences of business coaches, I've been a bit cautious about hiring one. Yeah, it's almost like you you want you know Bill Gates or Warren Buffett to be your business coach because <laughs> you know that they can grow it, not not a guy in his in his mom's garage, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be cruel because I appreciate, look, we all have to start off somewhere, of course. 100%, yeah. But if after so many years you haven't grown or changed, that sets off alarm bells for me. A lot of people I see out there who call themselves coaches, they do not invest themselves. They want other people to spend money with them, but they don't invest themselves. And if, I, if you're a coach and I say to you, recommend me three books you're reading right now, and they can't tell me, I know you're, you're not a good coach. Because yeah. good coaches invest themselves. If I say to a coach, what, what brilliant course have you been on recently? And they tell me something they did five years ago. You're completely irrelevant. And so many of these so-called successful coaches who are very good at PR and very good at BS, 
they're not very good at coaching at all. They, they sell this big spin. Because I've met quite a lot of people on LinkedIn who recently say, oh, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. I have so much business. I don't know what to do. And I know for a fact these people aren't crushing it. They're just saying they are. <laughs> I know for a fact they're not. You can tell by the cars they drive are really old. They wear clothes from 10 years ago. And they're busy all the time on LinkedIn or social media trying to get business because they have no business. You know, so. You know, being authentic is very important. And it's quite interesting that almost 90% of my clients, one-to-one, are women, which I think is fascinating. And women come to me because I sell with integrity because I'm not aggressive like so many men are. On a group level, it's mainly men who hire me, weirdly enough. But on a one-to-one level, most of my clients are women. And and so why do you think that pattern developed? Is it, it they're they're just more open to coaching and you know men not to stereotype but men think that they know it all already and they're you know rugged individual type that's of a, mentality that's a perfect stereotype and it's actually yeah. right <laughs> okay <laughs> everything you've said is exactly right there i'm looking at myself men are terrible at asking for help women are yeah. very good at asking for help they don't yeah. like it and it might, it might take them a while but they do ask and i think because maybe it's because i'm quite lucky my, i have an independent mother independent grandmother i had a strong independent wife i got an independent daughter i'm used to being surrounded by strong women and most men's egos get really badly affected by that and most of the bosses i've had and ceos have been women so whenever i'm working with a woman who's more senior to me and she maybe not tells me off but tells me what to do so many men get defensive it's just incredible their fragile egos get hurt they start using language that's inappropriate and I've never done that. As far as I'm concerned, this person is in a more senior position to me. They've earned that position. I'm going to learn from them and respect them. And, you know, most of the success I've had in my life has been from women. My CEO in Forma was one of the very few female CEOs in a top company in England. And she was brilliant. And she inspired me. And she pushed me hard. She paid me well. She treated me with great respect. I loved her. A lot of people complain because they can't they can't tolerate being told what to do by a woman. So I guess in that respect, I've been quite lucky because I know how to talk to women. And if they question me, my ego doesn't get offended. And I think also because I teach selling with integrity, I don't teach you 10 ways to close a deal. I don't come from the Grant Cardone school of selling and the, you know, which is so aggressive and so ridiculously over the top. It doesn't work in the UK. Grant Cardone gave a talk in the UK last year. And he's a very good, he's very good at motivation. Text, text, you know, he's really loud and he really gets you fired up. And I was really impressed by it. And then he came to selling his course and he was terrible. He was fumbling. He was talking. He was really bad at it. And a week later, his course was canceled in England. And this is Grant Cardone, the guy who claims to be number one in the world. He couldn't even sell his own course. So, you know, a lot of young people, especially young men like him because he's rich. And his partner's kind of hot and he has a private jet. So young men love him because that's what young men want. But when you get to my age, you don't really care about those things. Money's important, of course, but I don't care if you have a private jet. I care about what you can teach me and I care about the quality of your character. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy, I think his name's Mike Winnett, who he's on YouTube. You, <laughs> you got to look it up. He does these hilarious yeah, entrepreneur videos. Yeah, He's a British seen. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These hilarious, sarcastic posts about Grant Cardone and the, the, that whole, that whole industry, which is a, 
very negative you know i mean it's there's kind of the there's there's a spectrum of people who are mentors and stuff and there's sort of this dark you know corner of the whole thing that just tries to kind of it's kind of a creepy you know vibe over there but yeah i mean i can't i can't imagine that type of over the top sales pitch going over well in in the uk you know just oh, based God, on no. the culture yeah and that's why nobody went to his course <laughs> that's why right. i mean in america <laughs> america he's very big he does yeah. very well he makes a lot of money but he couldn't work in the uk because it doesn't work i think the bs the bs detector is just way too high over there oh god it really is and people yeah. in england are more cautious about sales and you know people in england will spend twelve thousand a year in a business coach but they won't think of spending two thousand a year on a sales coach. they just won't so they just don't they don't like salespeople. And when you call call people in England, they don't like it. Yeah. I still call call, of course, because call calling is important. And it's important I call call every day because I understand what my clients are going through, which is why I still do it. But it's really hard. It's not impossible, but it's really hard work. But people hate being cold called in this country. They really don't like it. Yeah, yeah. You need a whole higher level skill set and the mindset, you know, to be able to do that and, and take that kind of rejection. But on the other side of it is opportunities that you may never have had, right? If you'd never, if you never tried. So, well, Naraj, this has been just a treasure trove of information and I, I appreciate all the resources. I want to ask you about some of the coaches that you've had because it sounds like they're really effective and I might hire a couple of them myself. So big picture, if someone wants to get in touch with you, I know that you're on LinkedIn. What's the best way to get in touch with you and dive into some of this? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I always say to people, the best way to contact me is everybodyworksinsales.com, my website. And no matter how many times I say that, they keep going to my LinkedIn profile. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, my website's really good. I spent so much money investing in it. It's a brilliant website. But yeah, LinkedIn's the best okay. way. To <laughs> I'll go to there first. Yeah, so you can go to everybodyworksinsales.com. But, you know, LinkedIn is where most people contact me. And I post, you know, five days a week on LinkedIn. You know, three days a week, I post valuable content. One day a week, I will support a client of mine because it's really important to support your clients on LinkedIn. Salespeople don't do this, and they should. Please support your clients on LinkedIn. Don't like their posts. Comment on their posts. Share their posts. They will love you for it. And they are more likely to do business with you than your competitors. And one day a week, I'll share some charity work because my charity work is important to me. And it says a lot about me as a person that I do charity work as much as I do. So again, when people are looking for sales trainers, most sales trainers are the same <laughs> to people, even though we're not. So I do charity work one day a week on LinkedIn just because it helps other people. So LinkedIn's the best way to find me. Niraj Kapoor, N-I-R-A-J-K-A-P-U-R. I'll be happy to hear from people from your podcast. That'd be amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Sales Development Podcast, and we really appreciate it. Talk no, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.